0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So I'm super excited uh, about about this uh, quick little message this morning. Uh, The title of the message is Thankful. And if you wonder why, we're right on the brink of Thanksgiving, right? You know, it, it, is, a, it is a holiday that is focused on, you know, once per year, and, but it should be an attitude that should be practiced regularly. You know, we shouldn't say, well, Thanksgiving, I'm going to be thankful, and the rest of the year, I'm going to get to Christmas, and I'm going to be stingy, and I'm going to be selfish, and I'm going to do what I want. You know, the heart of thankfulness should be a, really a characteristic of every Christian. Okay? If we think about it, we go back to the very, very beginning, you know, of, of God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, for our lives. The only way that we can really get to the understanding in that place of, of receiving true salvation is through a heart of gratitude, right? It shouldn't be an entitlement. It shouldn't be something that we expect. It's definitely not something we deserve, right? But we respond in a way that is, is giving thankfulness to God, Okay, so when we look at this, uh, this this statement in Luke seventeen fifteen through sixteen, it says, "One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him." So, looking at that parable, that is kind of kind of be the staple of the message today. I'm just going to open with prayer and we're going to dive right in. Amen. Father, we pray this morning that you'd give us ears to hear your word, Father, that it would change us, that it would cause us to, uh, to be drawn closer to you. Father, I pray that you would just give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that your word says today. Father, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your life. And, and, and most of all, I thank you to be called sons and daughters of the King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, so one of the best ways to really enter into a church service or when we come in is, is with a heart of thankfulness, a heart of gratitude, right? You know, for, we have to be reminded of all that the Lord has done, that He is doing, and that He will do. You know, hopefully, at least you can find at least one, hopefully, a handful of things to be thankful for. If any of you guys are having a hard time with that, you got breath in your lungs this morning. It's like, well, but I got a hard time breathing but you got breath in your lungs this morning, right? Let out a little laugh. You're breathing, your heart's working, your, your lungs are pumping, right? Um, we can, there's so many things that we can take for granted that we really need to be thankful for because I think it honors God, it honors his goodness in our life, and it causes us to reflect on those things in regards to the goodness of God. How many of you guys have ever been around super negative a super negative person? Man, it is just everything. Oh, I hate my job. I hate my life. My car's running down. It's just like, man, you know, and those people really, it's hard for me to be around them. And I'm like, is it really that bad? Yeah, it's really that bad. And they are 100% convinced that the world is out to get them and there's no good thing that, that there's only one side of the bed they can get up on and it's the bad side. Maybe their bed's up against a wall and they need to move that bed, right? They can't figure it out. But I think when we look at life, you know, we see that concept, right? People see the cup half full. Some people see it half empty. You know, we want to have that mindset of being thankful, having hearts of gratitude, reflecting on the good things that God has always done. So one thing that we do when we come into church, we always have to reflect on the cross. We have to understand that the cross changes everything in Christianity. Everything. I mean, that, that, that is the gate, that is the way in which we enter, that is the way in which we praise, that is the way in which we worship. Because if we take the cross and we take the resurrection and we take the blood of Christ out of the equation, where does that leave us? In a pretty bad spot. So we have to understand that this really is a basis and a, and a focus point of all Christianity. Notice I say Christianity, I don't say, you know, uh, Islam or all these other religions The cross, Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, that is the difference because a lot of people say, well, I am a Christian, but if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as the one and only Son of God, born sinless, died and resurrected, is now sitting at the right hand of God, it's not true Christianity. Maybe it's being titled that, but it's not being lived in regards to that. James 4, 7 through 8, it says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter into mourning uh, for your joy and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So when we read this scripture initially, you're kind of like, man, that is a rough kind of scripture. Like, don't be happy, mourn. Don't rejoice, be sil- you know, it's, it's just, it really has kind of some, you know, dark connotations coming from this passage, but what it is focusing on, it is, is, it's really focusing on submitting to the Lord, yielding ourselves to the Lord, humbling yourself, because I can guarantee you most of us have issues with pride versus humility. We're arrogant, we think we can do it until we hit the bottom of the barrel, we're okay, I got this, I got this, well, you just messed up, well, maybe I didn't get it. I couldn't handle it. Right. We were very prideful. We're very arrogant. But this passage just talks about. But one of the most powerful things is, is that verse eight, it says, come near to God. So that is us pursuing God. And then he will what he will come near to you. It's a conditional statement. It's conditional. It says you come to me and I will come to you. I will meet you right there in the middle. But it requires you desiring to come to me. So what does that look like sometimes? You know, I think first thing in the morning, what are our motives? What are we pursuing? You know, is God anywhere on the radar? Or do we just hit the ground running, we brush our teeth, we throw our clothes on, we haul tail to work? Oh, let me run back in. I forgot the coffee. And we have, we have just this process. And then halfway through the day, we're like, man, I didn't even pray. I don't even know where my Bible is. What in the world am supposed to be a Christian? These priorities are all kinds of crazy. And if it doesn't become a priority in a, in a super hard, rigid schedule i tell you what, just to be real and transparent with you guys, that is one of the biggest things I have because there is so much flexibility in my schedule, but yet i got to be very disciplined if I'm going to guard certain areas of my life. You understand that? So I'll get texts sometimes at night, and then I'll respond in the morning, or I'll get them early in the morning, the day starts going, meetings start kind of scheduling, and, but I have to almost put the phone away, seek the Lord, take that moment, take that time, and then I, you know, which hopefully it's nothing life-threatening, but you know, sometime in my line of work, it could be, you know, I think that's why I'm always so urgent to check him right away. And he's like, it can wait. I was like, I don't feel like it can. I'm a pastor. I think I'm supposed to always check it. Like that's how part of me feels, <laughs> you know, but where's the line when I am trying to, st- trying to st- strive with my relationship with the Lord and I'm trying to keep my priorities intact. Because don't hear me saying that you guys are not a priority to my wife and I, but I'm still personally accountable to my relationship with the Lord. It's a big deal. You're like, well, I thought pastors would just naturally do that. I'm under the same attack you guys are. Every morning I have a choice to put God first or to put him at the last. Well, Lord, if I have time, I'll see you this evening. And then we're tired, we're worn out, we go to sleep, and we, and we go a whole day without ever connecting with God. But if we draw near to him, what? He promises always to draw near to us. Hebrews 4:14 4, through16, it says, "Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess." Verse 15 it says, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin." Verse 16 it says, "Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So there's a few highlights from that passage that I want to make sure you're aware of. It says that he was, he was tempted in every single way, but he was yet without what sin. You know, if we ask the world, the, you know, the population around us who believed that Jesus sinned, you know, there is a large population that people think Jesus sinned. Well, he was a sinner just like us. He was exposed. He, you know, I don't know where they, you know, like, so when they think that he was tempted, they use the word tempted as partook, maybe, in the sins that we have dealt with. It doesn't say that he sinned. It says that he was tempted, yet he never sinned. And that is an awesome testimony. But it was required, guys. You know, we had to have a spotless, perfect lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. If he was sinful, just like you and me, he wouldn't have been worthy to be to carry on the sins of the world. It was part of God's magnificent plan. And if I just were to stop there and say, guys, we're done. Can you be thankful for just that? I hope all of us could say yes, because that is the most important, that sacrifice that God sent his one and only son for my life. While I was a sinner, he loved me. He reached out to me. He cared for me. While I was a sinner, not today when I got my nice shirt on, I'm doing pretty good, I'm living for the Lord, at my worst state. You guys go back, can't remember, maybe those high school days where I don't want to talk about that. Well, my kids are in here, I don't want to talk about that. You know, like we were all there when we were most lawless in our life, when we didn't honor God and we were far from Him. When we were rebellious to our parents, when we lied, when we cheated, when our heart was far from him, that is when God loved us. But now as Christians, we can approach the throne of God with confidence that we may find mercy and grace. So the cross allows us to come near to God. So we have, we have to allow the blood to fur- purify us from all unrighteousness. I, man, I am a worship guy to my core, Okay. So you guys got to know that, man, when I come into it on Sundays, it is one of my most favorite days of the week because we get to come together. We get to celebrate a risen King. We get to celebrate that we're forgiven. It it should be this. it, It should be the monumental party of the week that we cannot wait to get here. Why? Because we get to celebrate the savior of the world. We get to be mindful of a God that created heavens and earth and he breathed life into an existence. Man, this is such a huge thing. And you know, think about what do you get excited about? Football, baseball, maybe your birthday because you can finally buy whatever you want as a grown adult, right? You know, those are like, you buy your own gift because you quit getting them for mom and dad, right? But you can afford them now, so it's kind of like this give and take. You know, think about what what are you most excited? Maybe it's you know you know your hunting trips every year. Maybe it's your family vacation. You know, think about it. What in your life is you know? Maybe every time your kid's birthday comes around, you know we're going to Disney right now, and my wife's been asking me, "Are you super excited about?" it? I said, "I will be tomorrow." I said, "Let me get past today because I'm still focused on what we're doing." But my kids are super excited. They're like, "I want to meet Mickey and and I want to meet Belle," and I'm just like. Man, I hope this all works out for y'all. You know, I don't know. I'm hoping, you know, with high hopes, but they are so excited. So think for yourself, what are you most excited about that you are just genuinely excited about? And then compare that to your attitude towards church. And say, am I excited to come into the house of the Lord? Can I not wait to go? Do I want to be in the presence of God? Do I want to be in the fellowship of other believers, encouraged and changed and transformed? Or have I taken the lie that I don't need the church and I'd rather do this and I'd rather do that? Well, I got to get everything done and all I have off is Sunday. Well, maybe God orchestrated that in your benefit because he wanted you to be a part of the church. There are a few companies that still honor that. All you shift workers know I don't care about that. So when we can come to the house of the Lord, let us come to the house of the Lord. Let's make it a priority. Ask God to restore that excitement. I know sometimes when we first come to the knowledge of who Christ is, there's an excitement in our hearts. We are passionate about the things of God. So I'm believing that God will continue to fan into flame that work that he has begun inside each of us and he causes us to grow and to become all that he's called us to be, guys. I don't wanna be just excited for church because I'm a pastor. I want to be excited for church because I get to be with my family. I get to come and glorify the same God that we all glorify together. I want to be thankful, guys, year round. 1 John 1, 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You guys, these are promises that the devil does not want you to know. But these are the the core of what we believe in Christianity, that it's the blood of Christ. So we have to understand that God God dealt with the sin issue. He provided us a way out from coming into his presence with rejoicing. So every time we come together as, as a family of God, we need to be expecting something. We need to expect to meet with God we need to be mindful of the wonderful things that he has done in our lives. We don't praise him for what he can give us, but we praise him for who he is. I see a lot of people approach a service or approach God with a, well, I want type attitude rather than a, because you are type of attitude. You guys hear that? It's totally different. It's super selfish and it's all about me. It's self-centered. It's not to glorify God for who he is or what he's done or what he did that I was unable to do to change this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Man, we are to be thankful. But like I said, if salvation was all that God did, that would have been enough. And we should have gratitude and thankfulness just in regards to that. So we should gather together with thanksgiving and praise. It should be something that, that, is, that is equally balanced. Psalms 95:2, it says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and, and exalt him with music and song. What did we do this morning? Right out of the gate, music and song, we declare the goodness of God, we put on a garment of praise, we, we, we begin to exalt him in the house of the Lord. Psalms 104 says, enter his gates, that means this is how we get in, right? There's this big giant gate and there's only one way to enter into his presence. This is what it says. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So a heart of thankfulness, you know, his courts with praise, it says, give thanks to him and praise his name. That is the gate. We remember the cross. Without the cross, we can't enter in. There's no other way to enter into the sheep pen. You can't jump over, you can't sneak in. There's only one way unto salvation, and that's the cross through Jesus Christ. But when I'm mindful of those things and I think of what Christ has done and, and the price that he paid for my life, that allows me with excitement to come into his, to his house and to know that I am worthy and I am accepted and I am loved by God. OK, I think sometimes it's hard for us because we expect the church to be the exact representation of who God is. Now, pray in this church, we hit the mark more than we miss it. But because you have a bad experience in the church with people within the church, that never diminishes who God is. But what the enemy of this world wants to do, he wants you to get offended, he wants you to get hurt, he wants you to get your feathers ruffled, and he wants you to go out that door and never step foot back in this building. Because he knows that if he can remove you from the body of Christ, he can destroy you. If he can change your perception of the local church, he can isolate you. Well, if he can isolate you, he can pick you off. But if you are in the sheep pen, if you are in his family, if you're in his body through the, through the price of his blood and his death on the cross... You can enter in and you can come into his house with what? With thanksgiving, with praise. Uh Oh. So we need to always focus our, you know, we need to get our focus on him and get our attention off of ourselves. You guys ever came into a service, sorry if I, if I feel like I'm hammering, I'm really not. If you're like, if you show up and we sing a song you don't like, well I don't like that song, we've sung that song too much, or hey, I don't like the set list this morning, or you know that's not my favorite song, and I've said this before, and don't take this personally, but these songs are never for you, they're to glorify God. And us as a worship team, I'm, I, work, I work right alongside the worship team, guys. We are striving to make sure we select songs that focus on God, not on ourselves. There's a lot of selfish songs. We don't want to sing them within this church if we can help it. And we pray that God would give us wisdom and insight as we pick the songs that we share on a Sunday morning, that they always honor God and they glorify God. Now, there might be certain parts sometimes where you're like, man, and I don't want you to get so messed up thinking about a song that you can't enjoy the song either. (laughs) Let us deal with that, (laughs) right? But that we look at these songs and they glorify God for who he is. And our eyes are fixed and focused on him. I'm going to share this quote with you. It's called Philosophy of Worship. So this was written by Dr. Eddie Hyatt. It says, someone had noted that when we pray, we are preoccupied with our needs. When we praise and give thanks, then we are preoccupied with our blessings. But when we worship, we are preoccupied with only him. But there is still a factor of making sure that we go through each of these points, right? Because I think our needs do play into the big picture. You know, uh, our blessings do play, pay into the picture if we can truly... Un- but if we can get to that place of where, uh, you know, God has worked in our life, we, we remember the cross, then we can get to that place of worship. But ultimately, it's all about Him. Okay? So we want to make sure that we're giving thanks in every season of our life, that our lifestyles reflect hearts of gratitude and thankfulness on the powerful work that God has done in our lives. One thing I don't ever wanna do is take the presence of the Lord for granted and just assume that that's just how it works and get comfortable with, well, just, God always just shows up, you know, but we are, we are continually encouraging his presence to show up and expecting his presence and desiring his presence. It's what I want our hearts to be driven towards. We're gonna to look at this, these two uh, stories in the Bible real quick, Luke 5, and then Luke 17. Both of these passages talk about uh, the story of the leper in the Bible, okay? So Luke 5, that 12 through 15, it starts out, and every time you see that he says he was on the outskirts of town or he was going to a town. So let me give you just a little bit of background about lepers in the Bible. So... They were outcasts. They were, they were to, so, so leprosy was, was something that pretty much deteriorated the skin tissue. It was, it was a disease that they just could not get rid of. Some people said, yeah, it was because they had sin. Not going to get into that side, why they had leprosy, but just the fact that these, these lepers had leprosy, you know, they had limbs, you know, like their fingers were just, their flesh was rotting. Their toes would rot, you know, their eyes, their skin would scale over. You'd get these boils. And so it was a nasty thing. But according to the culture, what they had to do, if they were uh, classified as being unclean, they were to tear their robes. And then if anybody in the proximity of them walked by or anything, they were to yell, unclean, unclean. But what they say is even before you could hear them, you could probably smell them. So I just want you guys to realize how horrific of a situation these guys' lives were. It wasn't like, oh, is it really that bad? Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. You know, I think, you know, some of us are like, well, you know, I don't have the right kind of shoes. I, you know, I don't, you know, whatever. I can't, you know, these people didn't have feet. So you want to find something to be thankful for this morning. Everybody has shoes on their feet. Maybe, maybe you kicked them off, but hopefully you came to church with shoes. Unless you're my daughters, maybe you left them at home. But man, we can find so many things to be grateful for. But so if we look at this story, let's look at this first one in Luke 5, verse 12. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell face to the ground and and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It says, then Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. He said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, he says, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. So in Leviticus 14, 2 through 32, if you want to look that up, it gives the requirement when he says, go to the priest, offer the sacrifice. That's what he was talking about because they were still under the law code of what had to happen when you were healed from leprosy or that sickness left. They had to take a sacrifice. They had to go to the priest. They had to declare them as what was unclean to now be clean. Okay, so there was always a process to that. So that, that's what he was talking about when he says, hey, go to the priest and, and show, your, show yourself to him. But he, here he says what? He says, but don't tell anyone. You know, be quiet about it. Go straight to the priest. And then verse 15, it says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. And that verse 16, it says, but Jesus went, withdrew often to lonely places and prayed. So if we look at that passage just from that scripture, this one person cries out. And and one of the most most, uh, faith-filled statements that he makes in that, he says, Lord, you can make me clean. So his mindset was made up that that Jesus was able to clean, uh, to, to heal. I don't know if he had seen it happen previously, or he had been exposed to others that had been healed, or he had heard the stories, but he didn't say, if you are willing, I'm not sure if you can, if you mind. He says, you are able to do it. And then what does he respond? He says, according to your faith, he places his hand on him, and he's made well. He pursued him in faith. But it says, all of the other ones came near to him for what? To be healed of their sickness. Not to see the possible Messiah. Not to see the Son of God. But to get something out of it. And how many of us guys are guilty of that sometimes? We pursue God because of what we need or what we want. Rather than who He is. Let's look at Luke 17. So this is another story about a leper, but it, it gives a little bit different take on it. Luke 17, 11 through 19. So this is Jesus again. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. So do you think the, these guys' perspective were the same as the other? Oh, we know this Jesus guy, he can heal. So do you think their approach in yelling or hollering was to know who he, who, know him personally or just to receive a healing? They had leprosy, as bad as I was saying. So like, I think a lot of it really probably was just, I'm tired of this. I cannot handle it anymore. You know, my body is just corroding away. So there was a pursuit of what he could do for them, not who he was personally. Verse 13, it says, and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Verse 14, it says, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Okay, so same process. Go to the priest. There was a process for it. He didn't touch them. At that moment, they were not healed. So there had to be faith applied, right? Because like if I'm sitting there and you say, hey, go show yourself to the priest. And I'm like, brother, I still got leprosy. It never went away. I'm not supposed to go into the town. I legally can't do it. I'm supposed to, you know, as long as I'm unclean, I cannot go before. But look at what this next passage says. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Pretty awesome, huh? But think of that moment. I ain't going, Jesus. I guess he missed it. I mean, and some of us maybe would stop right there and we would miss the whole thing of the the, the rule about obedience and trusting God, even when we don't see it. Oh well, Jesus said, "Go <laughs> They get mad at me and throw me out,. I'm going to blame it on Jesus. right? But it says, "As they go, they were made well. And I want to highlight this one part of the next story. How many of them How many of them had leprosy? Ten of them. So then we go on verse 15, it says, "One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him and then the, the, the scripture highlights this one part. It says, and he was a Samaritan. So, Jesus, so, uh, so then Jesus asked, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rinse and go. Your faith has made you well. So there's a whole lot of little nuggets in this story because like the first thing that happened, what do we see all of the lepers do? They cry out. That's the first thing they did. They did not remain silent. This morning, we had an altar call said, hey, if you have pain in your back, you know, if you, if you feel you have, an, you have pressure on your chest, there was one that came up. And I believe God is mightily gonna work in your body according to your faith. May God's perfect will be done. Do I heal? Does Miss Renee heal? Absolutely not. But as God leads us and he asks us to do something, we have to be obedient. Was there more in the house? I don't know. But I know this morning there was one. So we see in this story, there was first needing to be a crying out. There has to be, say, Jesus, I need help. Here I am in my condition, in my sin. I can do nothing apart from you. There was a crying out from all 10. And then what happened? They all all cried out. And in the going, what? They were cleansed. So all 10 of them, it says that they were cleansed. You know, uh. I mean, I could just imagine all 10 of them walking, and saying, man, this Jesus guy. Huh? You know, all of a sudden, you know, the ones that are limping real bad because their feet are all messed up start walking a little bit better, and they look down and say, Billy Bob, your feet look good, brother. Well, Jimbo, yours look good too. Woo, we're healed, boys. You know, and they just go on about their business, but one stops in his tracks, and he says, this Lord, this Messiah that they call Jesus has healed me. And all of a sudden, there was something. He was cut to heart. This wasn't just about what God could do, but it was who he was. So he stopped in his tracks. They all received their healing, and yet one turns around, and he goes back to give gratitude and say thank you for what they had received. You see a heart transformation in this individual. This wasn't about like, hey, man, awesome. I don't have to serve you, but I reap the benefits from you. And there's so many people in the world. They want the benefits, but they don't want the God. They don't want the standards, but they want the freedom that comes with the standards. It's something that we have to address. It's something that is a real culture condition. We can't be people that pursues the hands of God and are far from the heart of God. We can't do it, but we see this one that he, the third thing that they did, this one did, he came back. Was that, was, was that required for them to receive continual healing? I don't know. It doesn't tell you anymore. But the one that received, it says that he went back. And then that story gives us a little more clarification, right? I think there's always clarification for a reason. It says that it was a Samaritan. What did that mean? It wasn't a church folk. It wasn't somebody that should have known to give thankfulness and to come back. It was a foreigner. And there was a lot, there was a lot of segregation between your, your Jews and your, your Samaritans. Your, you know, there was a complete, you know... Lots of, lots of separation, even back in the Bible days. But this was a person that you would think, if nobody's coming back, that Samaritan's not coming back. But the nine church people that should have known better and they should have came back because those should have been the people that were pursuing the heart of God, never came back. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because what he's saying, the one, he says, it, you know, he says, were there not 10? I-, I think that one guy would have just, put, I, at that moment I'd been like, I don't know. Sorry. Like, I told them to come, Jesus, but they just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that looked like. But can you imagine? Like, Jesus, where's there not 10 of them? Yeah. Where are they? Well, I don't know. Like, they're halfway to wherever they're going. They're halfway to the priest now. I came back. You know, so part of me, man, kind of feels like, man, Jesus' heart's kind of broken here. You know, being a pastor of a church, man, if everybody received, if I had 10 people receive the same thing, man, would not all 10, would I not expect all 10 to be thankful and to have hearts of gratitude for them to come back. But I think one last thing happened to this one individual. He was changed, not just on the outside, but on the inside. The heart was changed forever. Not only had he received, but he had now known who Jesus was. And I think that's what God demands of us. It's one thing to find Jesus. It's one thing to come into an encounter where he changes every aspect of your life. But do we continually return? We can return because there's been the cross. There's been blood. The sacrifice has been paid. There is a way to enter in. But once that that atonement has been made for our lives, we can freely enter in anytime we want. How many of you guys... Whenever you mess up or you sin or you make a bad choice, what you feel initially is like, oh, man, what's everybody going to think? Man, can I even go to church this Sunday? Anybody ever been there? Don't lie. This is church. Because let me tell you what, guys, that's the plan of the enemy. He wants to make you feel like you are not worthy to come into this house. But the blood of Christ covers all of our sins, everything we've done, everything we're doing, everything we will do. Now, if we don't have a relationship with the Lord, we may abuse the blood for our sake, right? But I believe that God will deal with that. He'll bring you to a place of true repentance. But what we want is not just to know the giver of the gifts or the 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 hands of the giver, but we want to know the heart of the giver. Romans 10, 13 for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's look at a few more passages and we'll be done. Matthew 9, 10 through 12, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So the disciples didn't even get a chance to answer. Jesus pipes up. He says, On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Verse 13, for I have come to call the righteous. I have, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. You know, and, and I'm not saying that once we become Christians or once we come to the, uh, the knowledge of who Christ is, that God doesn't care about us anymore. But it's just that urgency, guys. That there, there, there is a time frame of when, of when Jesus is gonna come back with his, with his angels and a, and, and a triumphal entry and the, t- and, and the time will be over for any others to be saved. There's, there's, this, there's this stopwatch, this time. Only God knows what time it is. But there is an urgency as long as we have breath in our lungs that one more might be saved. If the sheep is in the, in the, in the fence... There's no risk. There's no danger. They are, in the, they are in the fence, but there are many outside of the fence who the enemy of this world is trying to destroy. That's the one that Jesus went to. That's the one he's asking us to rescue because I believe that we are to co-labor with Christ. It's not just Jesus going to do it. He does it through people. He does it through pastors. He does it through leaders. He does it through teachers. He does it through businessmen. He, he, we are the hands and feet of Christ. But what he's talking about in this, in, this, in this story is the focus has to be those that don't know. Those that don't have a relationship with the Lord. That they might be saved. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Only for Thanksgiving Day. You think that's what it meant? No. In all circumstances, when it, through the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever whatever season of our life we're in, guys, that we might give thanks. One way we can make sure of doing this is this: don't tell God how big your problems are; tell your problems how big your God is. Count your blessings and not your problems, guys. If you walk away from anything, this is one of those staples that just take a picture of it, write it down. <laughs> like I said, if you're one of those, I always get up on the bad side of the bed, guys, man, like, man, before your feet hit the ground, man, choose to, to be mindful of who God is. Choose to focus on his goodness. Say, problems, I got a bigger God than you, than I got problems right now. Okay? Count your blessings, not your problems. I promise, guys, they're all around you. So in closing, I'm going to give you guys four strategies to promote being thankful. Anybody need any of those? I need help being thankful, Pastor Noe. So uh, even if you say, I'm real thankful, well, I'm still going to give you four. Okay? So the, number one, change your perspective. Okay, so we guys, we got to know that the way you think determines your reality. If you think you got it bad, if you think everybody's out to get you, that's your reality. So change the way you think. Walk around. Say, man, I got breath in my lungs. I don't have leprosy today, thank God. I got feet. I got hands. My, my bones are working like they should, even though there's a little bit of arthritis working in them, right? Man, I, I, got, I got the chance to seize the day. I got another day on this earth to, to do all that God has called me to. You know, uh, man, you got an un, unhinged future, guys. What do you want to make of it? Well, you know, all I got is I got to keep doing this and I got to keep it. Do you really got to? You know, you can do whatever you want. And some of us think, well, this is all I can do. Well, that's all you've made up your mind to do. Now, I do think we got to be obedient to what God has called us to. But as he leads us and he's, he's revealing what he desires for us to do, man, we need to step fully into that. But we got to change the way we think. We got to see the cup half full, not half empty. Number two. Y'all really help me with this one, right? So it says, use social media mindfully. So what does this mean? Post only things that are positive and encouraging. Well, I saw so-and-so post something the other day. I didn't say control what they post. I said what you post, make sure that those things are encouraging and uplifting. I'm very, very careful to do that. And I read a lot of y'all's posts. Sometimes I'm like, ooh. Hey, y'all ever click on the comments and just read? It's like, oh, man. Hey, I saw, I saw something the other day between somebody and somebody else. I'm not gonna give any names, so I'll keep it real, whatever. I was reading back and forth, and I thought it was somebody in our church, and I was like, oh, man, I'm gonna have to jump in and pull the, fast, the pastor white flag on this. And then I looked, and it was somebody different. It was the same first name, but it was different last name. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. I said, it's getting crazy. Like, I was like, man, but I, at first, I was super excited because of the boldfulness, I was like, man, they're being bold, and then it went south. It's just like, when you're reading this it's like, man, this is better than a movie, and it's free. You know, you're just clicking through it. So guys, be mindful of what you post, man. Let's post nothing but positive things. There's enough negative things out there. So how can we be thankful? Find things to be thankful for. Take a picture of your dog. If you love your dog, take a picture of your kids. Hopefully everybody loves their kids. Don't pick your really, really bad day. We pick your good day when you say, man, Lord, I thank you for these kids, even though they're giving me gray hair and driving me nuts. Some of the greatest blessings are sometimes those things we take for granted. So use social media mindfully. Number three, enjoy the simple things. Okay? So these, these things, friends, family, walks, and talks. Most of the time, these simple things, they're usually free. Well, I can't afford to go to Disney. Hey, I could probably take my kids camping for 35 bucks and they might have just as much fun, we'll see. Or they'll have more of a life experience, maybe, we'll see. So don't get caught into the to the economic boom of all like, oh, well, you got to spend all this money to really have a good time. Cause then you'll be broke, right? Enjoy the simple things. I don't know what you guys like to do. I know I, di- I didn't do it near enough this last year. Hopefully, if it stays cold enough, but man, we do a little bonfire in the backyard, just light the fire and I don't know if all guys are the same, but just staring in the fire is just the most awesome thing. If you find something you can throw in there and it just burns, you know, that, that pyrotechnical person inside of each of us, i don't, it's just so relaxing. My wife hates the cold, she's just like, what are you doing? I was like, sitting out here in front of the fire, I'm going inside, and I sit there, the simple things, guys, walk around your yard. Before you even drive your car, some of you may hope that it cranks, but sit in your car before you go and say, Lord, I thank you for a vehicle, right? Ever had one of those vehicles you got to drive in faith every moment? <laughs> when you drive your cars like I drive my cars, sometimes it's a gamble, but God has provided me. It's just been, you know, I just think the simple things. I could be walking. I could be riding a bike. I mean, you like It be thankful, right? Look at the simple things that are free. You're like, well, ain't nothing free. There's taxes. Donut. The simple things. Excessive money, right? Spending things, just having to spend money to have a good time. Go to Matagorda Beach and walk down the beach if you haven't done that in a while, guys. Just drive just to drive. Well, where am I going? You ain't going nowhere. Just drive around. Put a cruise control on 40, 45 and watch everybody get mad at you as they go around you. <laughs> What's this guy doing? Just wave when they go by <laughs> They might wave back something not so appropriate, but enjoy the simple things in life. How many of you guys need to commit to that? Raise your hand right now. They give you longer life, I promise, right? All right, number four, this is the last one. Say thank you. Super simple, but we don't do it enough. So what does this mean? Realize when you are truly thankful and let others know it. Well, they know I'm thankful. They know I appreciate it. Did you tell them? Well, no. When you're thankful let people know it. I know we just got past Pastor Appreciation Month and you guys just lavished love on us through notes, through kind words, through all of these things. And just, it is very obvious through the good, bad, and ugly that you are thankful for us. So remember that, remember that when you hear a message you don't like that much. I'm still thankful. But Pastor Noe always tells me the truth. You guys stand up with us. We're gonna wrap it up. Man, I love you guys and uh, I hope this morning that, that I have encouraged you guys to be thankful in every season of your life. Some of you guys may say, I don't see it right now, no, there's so much. Just stop for a moment and allow the Lord to open your eyes. Some of you don't know what I'm saying, look to your left and look to your right. You'll begin to see blessings all around you. But we get so, you know, we're so nearsighted, we don't see the big picture of everything. I try to always find things to be thankful for. You know why? Because the enemy is going to find negative things in your life, and he's going to point them out. So when that happens, you say, well, look at this. This is falling apart. Yeah, but I got a church, and I got a family, and I got every provisional need met. So who cares if that might truck is breaking down I don't care you know like I'm talking about realistic issues right plumbing issues water heater goes out I mean I'm, I feel like I, you know water is really important but at least I got a roof over my head I mean always that God will always show you things to be thankful for because I think at some point the enemy is going to give up he said I'm going to quit messing with that guy because that guy is too positive that lady is too positive every time I throw something at him he tells me three things where the Lord has been good to him She throws three things back in my face where the Lord has been good to me. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas, 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.